Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that celebrates all pipe smokers, no matter how big or how many bowls you have. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast dedicated to all of us pipe smokers around the world. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on a Tuesday evening here in Charlotte, North Carolina. My pipe bags are packed and I got to remember to pack some clothes because I'm leaving tomorrow. This show, 100% entirely pre-recorded. And the best part is, in pipe parts, got Pear George Jensen from McBaron Tobacco Company. I spoke to him about three weeks ago, recorded the discussion. He's talking about the new HH Flake tobacco that they are introducing this weekend in Chicago. So we'll get the first glimpse, the first discussion with Pear on the creation of that blend. And then later on in the show, my guests Todd Johnson and Pete Prevost... And they've got an announcement, too. This was recorded back over the weekend when we sat down and caught up with each other, so you'll have to check that out. we got that coming up. Mailbag, music, rant, all that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, for those of you on iTunes, don't forget we've changed categories. We are now in the hobbies category, so if you're having an issue getting downloaded, check that but we're now in the hobbies category, trying to get more, uh, trying to get more exposure for the show. So, if you know some people that uh, are pipe smoking buddies of yours, make sure they know about the Pipes Magazine radio show. If you are coming to Chicago, don't forget Friday night, 10, 10, 15 p.m. in the smoking tent, the Pipes Magazine uh, contributors forum. I'll be there. Looking forward to it. So, all right, everybody. Next week. Next week's show, we'll be back live here again, and I'll cover everything that happened at the Chicago Pipe Show, everything that I saw and did, at least. And, uh, hey, it might make some stuff up. You never know. All right. Sit back. Grab a bowl. Relax. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Here we go. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. 
I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. Welcome back. All right, so normally for pipe parts, it's just me, but for this time, I've known this was coming for a long time, and I got the skinny in the scoop directly on the newly announced HH Flake Tobacco. So please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show again, Pear George Jensen of the McBaron Tobacco Company. And uh, Pear, go ahead and tell us why you're here and tell us what's going to happen this weekend? Well, it's probably because we're going to introduce our next hot-pressed flake in, uh, in at the Chicago show. Actually, Saturday morning, we will um, open our table, and everybody is welcome to stop by and fill their pipes with the new HH uh, Latakia Flake. So it being a Latakia Flake... Is this the first Latakia flake that McBaron has done? Well, uh, as far as I have uh, been able to investigate it in, in our history books, uh, it actually is the first, and especially it's the first hot-pressed. Last year, uh, or two years ago, we introduced the uh, the old Dark Fired, uh, which was the first hot-pressed flake uh, McBaron ever made. And um, I have to say, well, that was um, quite a success. So now we are coming with uh, a Latakia flake, uh, made the same way, meaning that, uh, and that is uh, for all HH tobaccos, um, just have a little bit casing, and they have no top flavor. And in the case of the Latakia flake, it only have casing enough, so we are able to, uh, in a common word, you would say glue uh, the cakes together, so it stands together. Uh, but otherwise, we are very, very um, proud to say it is, it's a natural tobacco. So the casing isn't really a taste, it's more just to keep the flake in the form. And there's a little bit, just a little bit uh, maple sugar into, uh, first of all, to glue it together, but also um, uh, as a humidity preserver. Uh, and that's more or less it. Ah. Uh. Is the where is the Latakia from? Uh, the Latakia is from Cyprus, because even though that that we still have a stock of the uh, Syrian Latakia, we keep that for for the vintage Syrian. Okay. So uh, what what we're using here is uh, Latakia from Cyprus, but due to the hot press, uh, when when you smoke it, it's it's so mellow, so mild, and you just get a lot of intense smoky taste. There's no sharpness in this tobacco. Is this the blend that when we last spoke you talked about was taking a lot of time to develop and get the get the blend correct? Yes, yes. We have actually been working on this uh, one and a half year to, uh, wow. to get it right with small corrections. And if you're here so, at the Chicago Pipe Show, you'll get a first shot at it. 
if you're not here at the pipe show, when can uh, when can everybody expect to see it on the uh, in the store shelves? Well, shortly after the show, uh, we will start sending out to uh, to shops. So uh, it should be popping up in um, in a shop in in everybody's neighborhood. I hope. <laughs> is there uh, is it coming in a 100 gram tin like the old dark fired? Yeah, it's a three and a half ounce uh, tin, just like uh, old dark fire tin is the same. Um, also cut in, in, in three neat stacks. Um, so everybody who has been smoking old dark fire and loves Latakia, well, it should be very easy to, to fold and, and fill the pipe. Is there something on the market now that you can compare it to taste-wise, experience-wise? Uh, I think the other Latakia flakes that are on the market uh, do contain a little bit more casing and uh, also some topping, um, which we have not done. Uh, it consists of, of um, beautiful, um, I would say, flavor types of Virginia, meaning they have a lot of taste themselves, a lot of sweetness. They have a little bit burly inside, uh, a fair amount, of course, of uh, the Latakia from Cyprus, and then uh, we have found a very special Oriental from Macedonia. And you probably heard about uh, Alexander the Great, the yeah. king of Macedonia. Uh, well, Henrik was in, in Macedonia and he found something great. Not Alexander, but uh, some very good Oriental tobaccos. And uh, that is what we have, uh, have used in this blend. It gives a, a, a slight spice. It's popping up uh, when, when you smoke it. Suddenly you de- detect these uh, spicy notes from, uh, from the Orientals. It's, it's actually it's, it's a beautiful experience. So was it working with all these, all these different unique components? Was that what took the time to get the balance correct? Yeah, and, and you have to, um, uh, not, not only the components, because what you taste is, is the tobacco. There are no flavors that, that can camouflage anything. So uh, when we put together the, the tobaccos, it has to be spot on. And when you, uh, when you make a new flake, and especially a hot-pressed hot flake, it takes a long time from, from you start to, to make a cake until you cut it and you can smoke it and then correct it. It, it has to, to be stored for at least 30 days. And each cake itself weighs how much? Around about uh, 4 kilos or, or 8 pounds. So you have, to, you have to try the blend out, press it, make the cake, wait a month, then go try that, then go back and make the and changes and make a whole yeah. other eight pounds worth? Well, it's not eight pounds. We have to, to make minimum um, 50 pounds or, or 50 kilo or 100 pounds uh, because you, you, you need to, to mix the tobaccos in the right way. And, and just doing it for, for, for four kilos, uh, it's too little. So one trial batch for us is, is 50 kilo. And do you remember how many different batches you went through before you found the right final version? Well, at, at this stage, we are at um, we are at uh, the sample number two six, meaning we have uh, tried one with um, with the ones one point one, one point two, and so on, and then we made a radical shift in in the tobaccos. 
So we started the two, and um, well, it took some time. So there was but a, we got there. There was a lot of tobacco that didn't. There was a lot of tobacco used to try to to get to the final blend. Yeah. What do you think I've been doing? I've been smoking. <laughs> it, it's a tough job, but I know you're the man for it. Well, somebody has to do it. <laughs> mm. uh, will this be in a limited supply, or will it be uh, a, a standard production that we don't have to worry about it running out too soon? No, it will be uh, in production, um, and, and, and we're trying to build the HH line with the Vincent Syrian, the Acadian Perique, the Old Dark Fired, as a line of tobacco without uh, any top flavors and minimum on the casing side. So uh, this uh, HH Lazakia blend will uh, fit very nicely into uh, to this group. Pear, I appreciate you coming on here and giving our listeners a first-hand introduction to it and kind of giving us the scoop on it. Well... Just uh, as a small teaser, I can tell you that it will only be available in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for the rest of the world, sorry. Well, they have to go to turn to, to the United States to get it, at least for, for the next year. And then maybe they'll get a chance at it. Yeah, well, we learned something when we start making uh, old dark fire demand was... A little bit bigger than we uh, expected, and uh, production time was was high. So uh, this time we we tried to adjust it right, and and take one market at a time. That's a side of the business I never thought of. So you have to make sure and get it right, and make sure that you can produce it, and then and then bring it out to the rest of the world slowly. Yeah, otherwise you promise a lot of people a lot of good things, and when. Things come down, uh, you're not able to fulfill their, their wishes, and uh, we don't want to do that. So we take uh, one market at a time. Um, per, I thank you very much for this. Thank you. Um, I'll see you tomorrow night in the uh, smoking tent somewhere. Sure, and I'll uh, make sure I'll bring it in, and uh, you can have a beautiful puff. We'll be back with the show in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th President of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco. Founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes. Or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit sutliff-tobacco.com for information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics 
to the richest English mixtures. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show not one, but two pipe makers. Two pipe makers for this special pre-Chicago show edition. Uh, in order of I've met you, first, pipe maker Todd Johnson, and second joining us with Todd is Pete Prevost. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. All right, so Todd, I've known you for I don't know how long now, but uh, we'll start with you. First of all, just give everybody kind of a little background. Where'd you grow up and what got you into pipe making? Well, uh, I grew up for the first 12 or so years of my life in Louisville, Kentucky, and then we moved to Nashville. And uh, I was in business here with my dad at an early age. He was kind of a pure entrepreneur and Never thought I would go to college, but uh, ended up doing so in Birmingham. And um, I would drive back on the weekends to work in the family business. And I had a friend there in Birmingham who smoked a pipe. And uh, for a graduation gift, my freshman year, he was a, he was uh, graduating. I decided I wanted to come back to my shop here and make him a pipe. And um, I had never seen or held a pipe, I don't think. And so I made it out of the, the hardest, densest thing that I happened to have, which was walnut. And uh, so he still has that pipe. I've since made him a proper one and um, <laughs> kind of got into it gradually from there and then uh, worked quite a bit over in Denmark with Tom Eltang and then later with Lars. And, um, yeah, I've been doing this professionally for 15 years now, so... I, I remember when we both were young and brand new in this whole thing. I do too. We actually shared well, our tables backed up, backed up to one another at um, when the show was still at Indian Lakes, and you were still, I believe, with McBaron. Is that correct? I was with uh, Stokeby. It was my first Chicago show, and it was all right. kind of a blur. So, those of you that are having your first Chicago show, <laughs> we both know how you feel. Indeed. Um, what was the uh, what was the hardest thing really for you to learn about making pipes that you know took you from the from the beginner level to the to the expert? Well, I think I think probably uh, the most difficult thing for new pipe makers to learn to sort of uh, take them from making making decent pipes with with solid details to making truly great pipes is you get a pipe to a certain point and it's safe and there are no, no flaws, no pits, whatever. Uh, you know, the stem is thin, but not, not uncomfortably thin in terms of, uh, you know, continuing to file on it. And it looks pretty good. And, and, and guys typically stop there because it's safe and finish the pipe out and, now you have an average pipe, and I think I think the guys who learn to become great pipe makers, they get to that point and they continue to remove material and, and essentially strip the pipe uh, to it, to its bones, 
and you're holding, you know, $500 or $5,000 in, in your hands, but it's not quite perfect. And so you keep going and you keep risking destroying that in order to make something truly exceptional. And that was, that was the most difficult thing to learn. And it only happens over time and, and with experience. And so that's, that's how you hone your, your work. It, it becomes gradually uh, smaller and, and more svelte, unlike, unlike myself. I've gone uh, the opposite direction of my, as my pipes have uh, honed themselves. But um, I, I hate to tell you this. It's just gravity. It, your chest has fallen. Yes, it it happens to the best of us. But I've heard that there are some procedures that they can do now that that uh, you know that just kind of help you get get that youthful figure back. I'm just trying. I'm trying to stand on my head for a half hour a day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds, it, I mean, I've known you for a long time, and I've often thought that you spend an hour a day standing on your head. So that's not that doesn't come as a surprise. Thanks. Uh, Pete, what, where'd you, where'd you grow up and what got you into making pipes? You know, I grew up out in uh, California and I was, uh, into music and, you know, had, had a band out there for several years and then, uh, had met a lot of friends in Nashville. So I ended up moving out to Nashville, uh, almost 10 years ago, uh, to kind of pursue music and, uh, ended up landing, uh, a, a gig in a band and joining the band and doing that full-time for the past several years. And during that time on the road, uh, I got into going into pipe shops and buying, you know, pipes and tobacco and just started really getting into pipe smoking. And uh, one of my friends in the band, we decided to, uh, to make a pipe and we ordered pipe kits. And so we thought that'd be a fun little hobby to do on the road. And so... We got our first pipe kit, and I got it in the mail, and I was supposed to wait till we got back out on the road to start working on it. And the day I got it in the mail, I ripped the box open, I went to the store, got some files, and that that next morning I had a finished pipe. <laughs> Just uh, worked, I worked all night on it, basically, and I was so excited about it. And uh, so I bought a few more kits, and then I ended up meeting uh, Jody Davis and who is also, you know, a, is also a musician, and yep. he ended up bringing me into his shop and showing me a few things, and through that I met Todd, and, you know, uh, with Jody and I being on the road a lot, our schedules conflicted, and Jody was suggested, hey, you should you should really hit up Todd to, to learn some stuff. He's a great teacher and could really teach you a lot, and so um, I hit Todd up, and for the past, uh, you know, five, six years now, I've been working closely with Todd, and um, for me, I've been very fortunate to to be here in Nashville, not only because of music that worked out well, but turns out being here for pipe making worked out really well. And, uh, you know, I, I owe a huge debt of gratitude to, to Jody and especially to Todd to, for teaching me everything I know. We won't tell Todd. Uh, when did, what band were you in? What instrument did you, do you play? The band, uh, the band I was in, which I I just recently uh, left the band, um, you know, about seven eight months ago. Uh, but the band is Sanctus Real and a Christian pop rock band, and you know we were out 
you know, doing that for several years, and they're still out going at it. But uh, having a having a wife and two little kids, you know, I just I was really looking for an opportunity to kind of get off the road and not be not be gone 200 plus days a year. So finally, uh, kind of decided to back it off from being on the road and settle in here to Nashville full time. So I'll, I'll tell you both. I'll tell you both real quickly. Uh, my son is follows the Winter Jam tour and a couple of the other, a couple of the other big tours that come around. And my son was really impressed that I knew Jody Davis. So <laughs> when he was here in January, we got together for lunch, and I went and hung out with Jody backstage for the af- for the evening. That's cool. I'll tell you what. I've known I've known Jody for I don't know more than fifteen years now, and. Uh, your son should be impressed that you know Jody Davis. <laughs> <laughs> and and we should be a little worried that Jody actually took my phone call. Uh, uh, well, you know, he's, Jody's never one to, to disappoint a fan. So yeah, we uh, we we've done Winter Jam a couple a few times now. It's a great tour. It's a lot of fun. Pete, what was the what was the hardest thing for you to get to understand when you started making a pipe? I. I got to say, I, I was very fortunate because, you know, most guys, they're wanting to start getting into pipe making and they're, they're looking on forums or wherever they can find. And, you know, even having that now is a really great, you know, tool for people to look at. Back when, you know, obviously Jody and Todd and some others were starting here, you know, that just didn't exist and they had to fly overseas to find their answers. But, um... For me, I, I I got really lucky because any time I didn't know what to do or was going to mess something up, I could go over to Todd's desk and be like, dude, what am I doing wrong here? And so I uh, I definitely, I guess I'm definitely am counting my blessings on that when it comes to pipe making because <laughs> I think uh, I would have been... I would have been scratching my head because, you know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty mechanical guy and I can figure things out, but... It's uh, it was a really great tool to have uh, really amazing pipe makers right there handy for me to learn. But I think you know the hardest thing for me to um, to really learn was probably not uh, you know you get to a point like Todd was talking about and you want to take something further and clean it even even tighter and make it look even more impressive. And uh, I think sometimes it's easy for you also to go too far with that. And I ended up, you know, ruining a few pipes because of that, but that, that's kind of come the cost, you know, is there just because if you want to make something great, you got to take the risk. And so I think Todd, Todd early on was pushing me to, to go for things that were way more advanced than I should have been trying. But because of that, I think it excelled my pipe making along a lot quicker. Pete, do you have a do you have a favorite style of pipe that you like to make, or do you prefer a variation on the classic, or more of a Danish freehand, free shaped? Uh, I definitely like the freehand shapes uh, more. I mean, I I definitely like to do a lot of you know a little kind of classic but Danish looking like fat stubby. I don't know, variations of a classic, but sort of a Dana shape, um, just because I've learned a lot of that from Todd as well. But, you know, at the same time, 
I I never really got a chance to learn how to turn pipes because you know with the way Todd does pipe making is it's all freehand, and so I never even you know really spent too much time learning how to turn pipes. It was more you shape the pipe, you you get the best brain and the best shape you possibly can, then you worry about drilling the pipe. And so I think for me it's always been a, some sort of a variation of a freehand shape um, because I never I never owned a two jaw chuck. I've never I've done it a few times, uh, you know, but I've never really spent time learning that style of pipe making. So it's always been kind of a variation of freehand for me. Todd, do you find it kind of restrictive when somebody asks you to make me a a, a large billiard? Well, not at all. I, I, I mean, I, I haven't taken commissions really for a number of years, but when I when I did, you know, I I have no problem making a large billiard. Uh, I enjoy turning pipes on occasion, and you know, I think it's a I think it's a skill that that every um, every real pipe maker needs to to have, and just like you heard Pete say, he can do it. He does do it. Um, it's just not it's not his go to method for creating something interesting and and um, exceptional. You can do that, <laughs> and people do, but it's not it's not the it's not the style in which I was trained, and so. I, I don't prefer it, but you know, occasionally it's it's nice to turn a billiard and either have it turn out as a smooth or have it turn out as a blast, but have very little control over the outcome and and just know that you're going to need to be content with what the wood yields. So, um, I'm not sure if I actually answered your question, but I've certainly rambled on for long <laughs> enough that we can call it a day, right? Yeah, and I've forgotten the question, but uh, well, I've yeah. had a I've had a bunch of pipe makers on, and several of them have come to Nashville and worked with you or learned under you. Do you know exactly how many pipe makers you've had work with you? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think the first one was probably. The first one might have been, yeah, the first one probably would have been Jeff Grasick. Um And uh, we worked together just, just a little bit. I think a few a few weekends when uh, he drove uh, to New Haven um, from, from Princeton when we were both in graduate school. And, uh, yeah, that's, I think that was in 2000 and, 2003 or four maybe. Yeah, it's been quite a few. I, I think uh, I think I might have officially retired from that from that uh, <laughs> game, but yeah. Well, let's take a break right here. When we come back, we'll find out what you're doing, what both of you are doing now, and we'll uh, talk more about pipes. So we'll be back in just a minute. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com. 
the most trusted Meerschaum store for 50 years. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Todd and Pete still with me. Haven't run away screaming yet. Uh, But I like to ask this of all the pipe makers that I have on the show because I think it's important for people to understand what kind of labor goes into into an artisan or handcrafted pipe. But Todd, how long does it take you to make a pipe? Approximately how many hours? Well... That's a question a lot like asking how long does it take to build a house. Um, it, it largely depends on, on the house, and in this case, it largely depends on the pipe. Um, you know, I can, I can make a pipe in a day. Uh, I can't make a pipe in a day every day, otherwise I would heal over. But, um, yeah, I can, I can make a pipe in a, in a sort of good long day, and then some pipes I've spent, you know, upwards of two weeks on. Uh, sometimes you have to put them down and let them, let them rest till the next day and look at them with, <clears throat> with fresh eyes. But, yeah, I, w- I would say on, on average a, a few days for, for a pipe. Does, sometimes when you're working on a pipe and you've got the idea but then the briar starts telling you something else, is that when you need to kind of step away from it and, and then relook at it? Well, I think... I think so, yeah, that, and that's very much my, my process because I think if you, if you start with an idea and then you try and implement that idea in a block that's not cooperating, ultimately you end up with something that's mediocre and uninspired. So uh, I think that sort of flexibility is, is very key, and if you're, if you're putting templates on the side of blocks and tracing them, most of the time, you're you're gonna end up with something that that's maybe a little bit more rigid and structured and and less organic and dynamic. So that's that's what I try to do when I get into a situation where yeah, I've had an idea either for a pipe design or something else, and I I want to I want to bring that to fruition, but realizing that. In, in the midst of that process, things can change, and maybe the maybe this block isn't cooperating, but I'm I'm hell bent on the idea, so I set the block down and and try a couple other blocks until I find I find a block that will cooperate with the idea. But most of the time, uh, most of the time, I'm I'm trying to 
uh, cooperate with the block. Is it fair to say that you might have, you know, 10, 15 different blocks of wood in, in work at one time? For me, no. Uh, I know I know a number of people work that way, but for me, I tend to shape three or four pipes at a time at the shaping wheel, and then from that point, I finish them out individually one by one. Pete, same same kind of questions. About how long does it take you to make a pipe? Yeah, I mean, I would I would say like if I absolutely had to crank one out, I could do a very simple, you know, blast and you know just mouthpiece, no no adornment in in less than a day and get it get it finished. But for me, I'm always I'm always usually spending you know a few days on a pipe, um, and you know I think I think three three to five days on a pipe that has a lot of detail to it and is a smooth and that I really need to focus on on making sure that the contrast of the grain looks really wonderful and that I might need to make some special adornment for or, or whatever. But, you know, um, I'd say, you know, two to three days typically um, or four. And so, you know, I, I think that working with Todd, he – I learned his process, and so, you know, as he kind of showed me the process, I think I automatically had that mindset of working in a certain order and doing a certain process and not, you know, kind of changing it up randomly, but basically sticking to a process, figuring out how you, what order you want to make the pipe and finish it and going with that, and I think it's helped me uh, move quickly and at the same time, be really careful to pay attention to the details and make sure what I'm, what I'm making, I'm really proud of. And I don't, I don't produce a lot of pipes um, because of the fact that I've been a touring musician for so many years. Uh, my schedule just hasn't allowed for it. And so it's always been, you know, for me, it's always been 30 to 50 pipes a year. And I'm proud to say that because of that small amount of pipe making I'm able to do over the past several years that I, um, you know, I've, I've worked really hard to be only putting out things that I'm really proud of. And, you know, because I'm doing such a small quantity, I can kind of set something aside and say, I don't really want to work on that or I'll, or I'll just finish that one out for myself because everything I put out, I want to look back and be able to say, like, I'm really, really happy with how that pipe turned out. Pete, how many pipes are you hoping to bring to Chicago with you? Well, that's uh, that's definitely uh, kind of leads into probably our next topic of conversation. Because... All right, let's let's jump right into it. What is coming up with you guys? Let me let Todd start on this one, and then we'll uh, we'll both jump into it. Well, I'll, I'll answer the question that you asked Pete if Pete doesn't mind, and mm-hmm. I, I think the the answer is is zero. Uh, <laughs> he's hoping to bring zero pipes to the show, and I will have equally uh, as many. Um, I have, for, for a long time, been working on trying to bring the world's finest machine-made pipe to market, and it's something I've been working on in earnest for about the last year and a half. And we... For the past year, Pete and I and and a team of very talented and dedicated individuals here in Nashville 
have been working to bring this concept into reality and then bring this product into full production. And I am happy to say that we are just arriving at that at that point, and we hope to have um, a, a number of, of shapes and, and finishes in Chicago for, for everyone to take a look at. And uh, we won't have we won't have a huge quantity, um, but that's that's been occupying. 18 hours a day for for Pete and myself for I'm not sure how long now I've kind of kind of lost lost track but uh, yeah we've got two new brands um, Icarus pipes which is going to be uh, it's going to retail in the hundred to hundred and fifty dollar range and um, Neptune Briars which will start a little higher and the median price point will be around 170 to 200 and with a few pieces going up into the several hundreds of dollars range but um, yeah this, this has been this has been our full-time project and uh, there are uh, nine of us here that uh, that have been dedicating all of our all of our time and effort and resources to um, bringing this to fruition and like I said I'm I'm proud to say that we're right on the cusp of doing so and and should have um, at least a good good showing of the product in Chicago this year are they somewhat traditional factory shapes or do we see some uh, some Todd Johnson and Pete Prevost in the shape design well that that is precisely the idea um, they are some of the most unique and innovative uh, hand handmade style uh, but serially produced pipes <laughs> that will have ever existed and uh, I I think for me the the machine made pipe market is is simply too restricted and too uh, um, there are too many classics and variations on classics and they all kind of look the same and they all kind of have the same engineering and so forth. So our goal is to, to blow the lid off of that with extremely um, innovative designs and fit and finish like you would see on one of our handmade pipes and extraordinary engineering, all the details just as they should be. So um, there will be classics. Uh, we both love classics. In fact, whenever Pete and I smoke pipes, they're usually straight billiards. But um, it's uh, it's something that that we have wanted to do and talked about doing, and, and it's been kind of a dream of mine for for nearly a decade. So uh, we're we're hoping to have some some shapes that no one has ever seen on a sub two hundred dollar pipe, and that that's that's the goal is to is to bring that to market and offer tremendous variety and it and also extremely high quality to to the customer at an exceptionally reasonable price point. Is there a website yet or some place where people can go to that aren't at the Chicago Pipe Show to see these pipes? Uh, not yes. There is there's a website for uh, the the company Briarworks International. Uh, and and 
that is that is primarily educational uh, to talk about the brand and kind of show show some of the pipes and a little bit about the process. But we are hoping that uh, we're hoping that these pipes will be seen in person at uh, at local tobacconists all over the country. So um, we are we have U.S. distribution already set up for for both brands and. Um, you know they will have an online presence, but but we won't retail them directly. So um, hopefully we'll hopefully I'll be able to give you a, a, a long list of uh, of places where you can go online and and see them. But right now it's it's going to be in Chicago, and then in the next several months they'll they'll begin to uh, hit uh, the web stores of, of tobacconists around the country. So this is such new news right now that, you know, really you're taking a chunk of time out of your weekend that you're actually working and trying to get this all ready in time for Chicago. Yeah, I'm not, I can't remember if we recorded this part of the interview, but when Pete and I said that we were sitting here in coveralls, that was not a joke. And uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're in the conference room uh, right off the, the factory floor and uh, we've got, we've got our our folks in there um, uh, working hard right now. So, yeah, we are indeed taking time out to uh, to talk to you about it and happy to do so. But the the pipes will be so fresh they might still be hot in Chicago, yeah. yeah. I want to wear some welding gloves or something to pick them up. I'm that's, not sure. That's it. <laughs> the, uh, the website is briarworksintl.com. We got all the social media stuff going too, and uh, we just, I just got all that stuff set up and ready. And so you can look up the username Briarworks on Instagram and Twitter, and we got a Facebook page. And not not too much to see yet, but as we'll start updating in Chicago, and you know, once we uh, get to Chicago, there'll be a lot of post, you know, pictures to post and a lot of fun stuff. Um, that is something that uh, thankfully um, Pete and uh, one of our other key personnel, Rita Spellings, will take care of because uh, I've 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 come to learn that I am both inept and abrasive with respect to social media. So uh, <laughs> what what you hear and see will be uh, will be Pete and and Rita and and some other key personnel. But yeah, we'll we'll monitor all that and of course respond to all of your all of your your tweets and your. Uh, Insta photos and all, ma- all manner of all manner of other technological things. So, Todd, your your social skills are uh, or your social media skills are more fit for uh, last year when late in the smoking tent when we got into a spitball fight with each other. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I believe it ended with somebody getting a wet willy, and it wasn't me. Well, you know, I believe it ended with somebody enjoying it and. It wasn't you. <laughs> so on that note, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Todd, you'll get them first, and then Pete, you'll get the same question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Todd, what's your favorite pipe? Seven. <laughs> Pete, what's your favorite pipe? <laughs> okay. Uh, Todd, what's your favorite tobacco? My favorite tobacco, Dunhill Aperitif. And Pete? Exotic, Smoker's Haven. And Todd, 
what's your favorite drink? And all of them is not an answer. Uh, no, I don't. I don't drink. I don't drink clear liquor for the most part. Uh, my favorite drink is a rye Manhattan rocks, no garnish. Have to be from Kentucky, uh, Pete. Mine's got to be a really high gravity IPA. And Todd, when it's time to relax, which I don't know if you ever do it, um, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, probably these days, music. And movie. Pete, <laughs> Pete was quick on that one. <laughs> oh, I love no, I love like written a movie or something at home with my wife and just chilling out in the house. That's my favorite. Turn down the lights, light up the pipe, and put on the movie. There you go. Uh, Todd, any particular favorite pipe smoking memory? Favorite pipe smoking uh, memory? Uh, well, maybe, maybe this counts. I was, uh, I was in Lars Everson's shop with him, and we were, we were smoking smoking our pipes and uh he was kind of showing me a, a a technique for something and on top of the lathe he had a little sort of chunk of of ivory soap that we use sometimes for uh the friction fit of of tenons and um i i'd set my pipe down on top of the lathe and i went to grab it and i i knocked the soap off of the lathe and it hit the ground and, and shattered into a thousand pieces and uh Lars walked over to me and he says oh you have broken the soap that was Sixton soap I've had that for 30 years <laughs> that felt awful and then he he looks up at me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says I think it was probably time to get a new one anyway <laughs> Uh, Pete, any favorite pipe smoking memory? I don't think I can top that story because that's just legendary. But, <laughs> you know, for me, uh, before I met Todd and, you know, started learning from him, I, I mentioned that I got to learn from Jody. And uh, it, it so happened that, you know, as a teenager, I wanted to play music in a band so bad. And it just so happened that Jody Davis was my favorite guitar player. <laughs> and he was the guy that made me want to play guitar. And when I met him and got a chance to come and learn pipes from him, that was in a, just amazing. Um, but then on top of that, you know, uh, for my 30th birthday, my wife said, what do you want for your birthday? And I jokingly said, I want a Jody Davis pipe. I've always wanted one. And she's like, oh, right, how much is that going to cost us? And I was like, oh, too much. I'm just kidding. Just get me whatever. And so... <laughs> She talked to Jody's wife, and, and then they were just kind of talking about it. And next thing I know on my birthday, I get a Jody Davis pipe. And uh, Jody actually made it for me for free under the condition that I would make him a pipe as well. Oh, and cool. so, I, you know, I got a chance to, uh, once we traded pipes, I got a chance to sit in his shop, and we both were smoking the pipe we had made for each other. And uh, it kind of hit me, like, how crazy my life had had been, you know, to get to do music for a living and then meet one of my favorite guitar players, learn pipes from him and meet Todd and learn pipe making and then get to sit down and, you know, smoke a pipe with him and just kind of all hit me. It was really cool. That is actually a great story. I love it. 
I absolutely love it. Todd, I'll bring you a bar of soap. <laughs> I promise not to drop it. <laughs> we, I appreciate your time. Guys, it's Saturday afternoon. Go back to work, and I will see you in uh, four or five short days in Chicago. Sounds good. We'll Thanks, see you. Thank you. We'll be back with the show in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sutliff Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malto Dolce blend in public. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. How's that? whole bunch of new pipes coming, new tobaccos coming, lots of homework. All right, so after we were done recording, I asked Pete if he could recommend one of his songs from Sanctus Real for us, and he liked the uh, guitar work that he did on this one. It's called These Things Take Time, the album Pieces of a Real Heart, Sanctus Real.
Yes. You have new mail. In just a minute, an FDA-based rant, but right now, quick mailbag for you. Uh, my friend Peter Field, recovering nicely at home, is on the lookout for Penzance. So if anybody at the Chicago Pipe Show happens to have some Penzance that they're looking to get rid of, please come find me. I'll be looking for you as well. Lord of the Pipe Rings wrote, uh, side note, been listening to old episodes and had forgotten how much I enjoyed the filler bit random thoughts. Uh, yeah, I kind of missed that too, but uh, kind of got a little busy. Uh, anyway, he goes on to say, show has been wonderful every episode. Keep up the good work, Kevin and Brian. Ed Green wrote, 100 years of pipe retail history, Ron Carter and left-handed rant. It's like Cox Cable's contour. You made the show just for me, me, mine. Uh, by the way, did anyone else have those half desks in high school and college, all for right-handers? Yes, I had those too, and I think I broke my right elbow kind of leaning on them. Um, MSO489 writes, Excellent interview with Chuck Levy of Yvonne Reese, which I learned the from the interview is pronounced Yvonne Reese. I've been mispronouncing it for years. Speaking of which, growing up near Chicago, I always heard the street name Wabash is rhyming with Ash rather than Osh. But there are a lot of distinct dialects among Chicagoans. Lots of arguments among Chicagoans over the best deep dish pizza, too, which I'm going to be eating some. I uh, love the part about the grandfather bringing the copper washing machine from Germany for blending tobacco and the explanation for how they happened to move the pipe shop to the second floor. Yeah, that was a, that's a fun bit of history there. Uh... Riff Raff wrote another great show, gentlemen. I love hearing about the history of our hobby and especially stores, uh, stories about stores like Yvonne Reese, a pipe store that has been around since 1858, 1857. Uh, the stories that building could tell. It's interviews like this one and last week's that share the provenance of pipe smoking. It is also encouraging to hear about family-owned businesses and legacies passed down from generation to generation. I am a history nut anyway. Maybe that's why I really like estate pipes. Keeping the history alive as you guys do is just another benefit to listening to your show. It's also, I think, part of my contribution to the uh, pipe world, which is getting these uh, interviews recorded in digital domain so that they're there forever to be listened to. Uh, Paw Ombre wrote, can't wait to listen to this. I'm in Chicago on business and popped into Yvonne Reese yesterday. Great shop with very attentive customer service. Uh, Carrie Tobacco, love this show. Chuck and Kevin and staff are the real deal and true tobacconists in every sense of the word. And Bob Bittner writes, Brian, great show, but comfortability? Wasn't comfort a good enough word for you that you had to invent an alternative word? Uh, Bob, apparently I didn't invent it. It was added into the lingo slang dictionary of Merriam-Webster in 2008. But <clears throat> keep in mind, I live in North Carolina where Southern creates a lot of words. Uh, Parker wrote, my Keurig coffee maker is set up for lefties. The water has to be poured from the left, I've often said to myself that this was designed for a left-handed person. Hard for me to position myself in relation to the machine to pour with my right, so I fumble around doing it with my left. You lefties are taking over the world. 
uh, by the way, another great show. I'm still not getting a cure. Still not getting involved in those K-Cups. And uh, let's see, a couple more. Al wrote, the interview with Chuck Levy knocked it out of the park. Brian, your mother should have tied what we called the devil's hand behind your back when you were little. <laughs> yeah, the sinister side. That's me. Uh, J.H. Hicks, The Rant, spot on. Another great show. It was a lot of fun listening to you and Chuck Levy. Yeah, it's amazing. That left-handed rant apparently struck a chord. Uh, John Seiler. Get to see John this weekend. What makes a pipe a good smoker? If you enjoy it, then it is a good smoker. We think alike. A given pipe may be a good smoker for one person and not so good pipe for another person. However, to be a good smoker, it takes two to tango, i.e. the pipe and tobacco. Yes, you are right, John. I agree with you 100%. Uh, on the rant, left-handedness, get with it, Brian. Like you said, you were born that way and society is not going to change. Go get yourself a left-handed guitar. Uh, Balsifer said, great show today. Enjoyed hearing of the history of your guests today. Nice to hear that there are still old-fashioned family businesses still out there. Still going strong after second and third generations. And the last one we'll get to, Christos. Hey, Brian, long-time listener, first time leaving a comment on the show. Thank you. It's good to know that there are fellow left-handers out there who suffer through the same type of problems that I do. I have to say that I wasn't aware that lefties have a shorter lifespan than the rest of the world, though. Could have done without that bit of information. Keep up the good work. Yeah, we'll hit on more lefty stuff in a future show, because I found a few more things. All right, everybody. Hey, rant time. Next. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Cowboy. Cowboy. Thank you. 
Last week, we talked about the FDA and their pending regulation of pipe tobacco, cigars, and e-cigarettes. Well, here's what I want you all to not do, not do, not do. Don't write them one of these three-page long diatribes about how we're losing our freedoms, you're taking this away, and next thing you know, you'll be coming for our guns and our uh, diet soft drinks and our sugared Twinkies and all this and all that. Don't go off on one of these long tirades because every time anybody does one of those long tirade posts or anything like that, especially with government officials, it just makes them think, I want to kill the whole thing. Don't do that. Don't do that. We have not had a chance to really come up with a good sound discussion for them or points for you to comment on. But at this point, the best thing for you to say is that I enjoy a luxury tobacco product, a cigar or a bowl of pipe tobacco every once in a while. Don't over-regulate those so that I can't have my, my infrequent enjoyment. But please don't go off on one of these things where all of a sudden you're starting to stockpile pork and beans and build a bunker and hide all this and they're going to come and take away my pipes and this, that, and they're going to cancel and, and outlaw tobacco. Don't go off on one of these long tirades and send it to the FDA. That's the worst thing that anybody could do for any kind of a cause. In fact, if you know somebody who is anti-tobacco, tell them to go off on one of those long tirades and put it in there and send it off to the FDA. That does nothing but help our cause. In fact, what some of us are thinking is that if nobody from the pipe tobacco world posted a response... It would probably might be better, but stay tuned next week. Hopefully we'll all have a good sound answer. We'll all have a good real sound understanding of what is going on with the FDA. All right, everybody that wraps up the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to pear and Todd and Pete. And thank you for them sharing their announcements with us. I am going to enjoy my weekend here in Chicago. Hope to see you all come by, shake hands and next week, full report. So, thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and until next time. Cares about the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy If you see Kevin this weekend, do me a favor. Just tell him, I love kittens.